Bell Ramp Church. It is just such an honor to be here with you today. And I cannot thank you, Joe and Stacy, enough for inviting me to be a part of, of Ramp Church Manchester. And, and I just want you all to know, everyone that's just there in your homes right now watching, how much you're not just a part of Ramp Church. You are a part of the core foundation of who we are. I want you to... You, we have these different locations. We're in Hamilton, we're in Chattanooga, we're there in Manchester, but I don't want you to ever feel like, you know, we're just this branch that, that's across a whole ocean. Do they ever even think of us? I want you to know that we feel you are just a part of our very uh, flesh and bone. You are a part of us. I feel so deeply connected to Manchester and just love you so much. And uh, actually, I, I was thrilled whenever Stacy emailed me, asked me to speak this morning because uh, earlier this week, or sorry, earlier last week, I was happened to be awake at three o'clock in the morning and it dawned on me, oh my goodness, Ramp Church Manchester is having their service and I was able to tune in live. And let me tell you, Joe Reeser, that message was a rhema word from God to me. It was the week that he taught on patterns of rest and restoration. I think I'm getting that wrong, but um, he, it was on the silence and the solitude and Sabbath. And he talked about, I had never even thought about that the word recreation it is from the root word to recreate that there's this element of whenever you take time to just do something fun and recreational, that there's this element of you actually recreating yourself and just restoring some of those, um, just some of those things of who you are that really need that time to pull away. And two, here, I mean, just to be honest and vulnerable with you, I'd gotten into a bad pattern. Samuel, my husband and I last year had really, or actually for the last two years, we'd really established a pattern of rest and renewal, of Sabbath, of um, taking that day of the week to just pull back and rest. And over the last few months, even while we're in quarantine, I don't know what happened with quarantine. I know everybody had this knee-jerk reaction to what they were doing. I like hit go mode. It's like, what do I need to conquer today? And I just plowed through and worked late into the night every single day of quarantine out with my laptop, just writing content, doing, putting stuff together, building logistics and, um, I mean, it just got really crazy. And whenever I heard that message from Joe, it was a huge check for me to just make sure that I am pulling back and taking a day to rest. And so for the rest of that day, I put my laptop away. That was the same week that my book launched on Thursday. So that was the Sunday before it was like, you know what? I know I have a book launch in four days, but what's most important to me right now is to rest and leave margin in my life for God to do supernaturally what I could never do on my own. So thank you so much, Joe, for speaking that word from the Lord for me. And I know all of you at, uh, in Manchester there that heard that message was impacted like I was and, and just challenged to make sure that, that I am taking a regular time of Sabbath, of solitude, of silence, and uh, just to be able to make sure I can find God in the middle of this chaos. You know, I love this series that you guys are in right now, Peace, Finding God in the Chaos. Where is He? And and what is He saying? It's really, it's just been an interesting time for us to all, really, not even just as a church or as a nation, but as a global community to step back and especially as believers go, God, where are you? 
what are you saying to us right now in the middle of all of this? And, um, and so what I want to share, what, uh, what Stacy asked me to share with you really came from my own story. And so I know I've met so many of you and there's so many of you that I have not met yet. Um, but I just want to share a little bit of my story with you today about overcoming the voice of fear. So the part that I want to speak on today is silencing fear silencing the voice of fear. How do you find God in the chaos? Well, the voice of fear can really create this whole atmosphere of chaos in our minds on its own. Just, just the thoughts and the questions and what ifs and worst case scenarios and all of these things really create a lot of noise. But part of being able to get to have that peace, find God in the middle of that chaos is having the ability to find out exactly what fear is saying to you and make sure that you can silence that voice of fear. So for me, fear actually came whenever I was four years old. My very first memory is the, is the time that I remember being afraid. That's what kind of made up my first memory. I don't know if you guys um, had the story in England, but there was this baby in like 19, I'm gonna age myself here, but. 1987, baby Jessica McClure had fallen into a well in her aunt's backyard, and she was stuck in this well. For two days, they worked to un, uh, get her out of the well. She was just two years old, I believe she was. And for whatever reason, I was a four-year-old little girl watching the news with my grandparents, and I just remember feeling so afraid of are, is the little girl going to be okay? And, and they were showing the paramedics out there working around the clock to free her in all of the mud. And, and they were just trying to get down to where she was. Is she being crushed? Is what's happening? All of this was all unfolding. And then I started wondering, are there wells in my backyard? What happened? What would happen if this happened to me? And it got just to this place of growing up, not being able to walk down the hall to go to the bathroom by myself, not being able to sleep by myself at night. I actually, I know this is probably embarrassing, but I slept with my sister until I was 16 years old. I was just gripped by fear. I was afraid to have bad dreams at night. Um, I'd had some nightmares and it was really terrifying to go to sleep knowing that I might have another nightmare and just wake up with that terror. Well, as the years progressed, so a few years later, I was eight years old, and um, this is the big part of, of my story where I didn't know it was the turning point, but it really was where I really started heading down a path that was full of fear for me. I had the solo in my school play. I was in the third grade, um, and I had the solo in my play. So all of the third grade parents were there in the auditorium, and they were there for their uh, children. They were all singing, and I had this yodeling solo. Now, my friends, I am not a yodeler. I do not claim to be a yodeler. I know my strengths and weaknesses, and I would definitely put yodeling in the um, not even close to a skill category. I, uh, I don't know how I got the yodeling solo, but here I was. And so whenever I was in the middle of the song, something went wrong. I sounded more like the goat herd than the goat. Something cracked and it just didn't sound right and it was bad. Well, whenever I walked off the stage, a little boy from my class met me right there and said, you just ruined the whole play. Well, to an eight-year-old little girl, that one moment shaped the next 20 years of my life. That one moment replayed in my mind over and over and over and completely shut me down. 
And it was just like this, this is exactly what fear does. Fear finds a weakness in you. Maybe it's a fear of what people think or of being rejected or just this moment even where you put yourself out there to be vulnerable and you are met with rejection. That's where fear barges in the door and that's whenever this whole tirade of just you can't, you're not good enough, who do you think you are starts in. And let me tell you, it took me 20 years to recognize that that was the voice of fear in my life. So 20 years later, actually, it is Pastor Stacy's sister, Susie. Susie is um, a great friend, and I was just about to leave on this trip to Chicago, and she asked me, Lauren, what would your life look like without fear? Well, whenever she asked me that, I had no idea what my life, what my life would look like without fear. I had just built my entire identity about around being the shy, quiet girl and um, not putting myself out there a whole lot. So to think about what my life would look like without fear was just a blank slate. I couldn't see past who I had always been, hiding behind the shy personality, quiet, and uh, very reserved, very held back. And Stacy, who's known me my whole life, can attest to this. <laughs> well. I went on the trip to Chicago, and while I was there, I heard an incredible man of God, Reinhard Bunke, speak. And he said this. He said, some people, some Christians live in a room, a very dark room, and they hear in the darkness a lion roar, and they say, oh, I'm so afraid I'll be eaten by this lion. And then someone flips on the switch, and they see that it's just a mouse with a microphone. That's the voice of fear in your life. When he said that, I had a stunning revelation of exactly what was going on for the last 20 years. I had this voice of fear speaking over this microphone in my mind and creating all of this chaos of, of who I was and what I could do, what I couldn't do. And any time that the opportunity rose up for me to go pray with somebody or that I didn't know, a stranger that I didn't know, or, or just be myself in a group of people, I had this voice of fear that would come over the microphone and say, who do you think you are? They're going to laugh at you. This is ridiculous. You look stupid. Or if I would take a risk, and I did happen to get so far as to cross that line and put myself out there and say something or, or say something over the microphone, pray in front of somebody else, just anything. Then I would come back after that moment and just want to go hide and die under a rock and pray, oh dear God, please let this be the end of time now. I need you to come back right now and save me from myself in this moment because I can never face anybody else again. Well, that's exactly what fear sounds like. And fear creates just such this noisy, I like to call it the, like a sonic terrorism, where it's like it's hijacked your thinking. It's like this, all of a sudden, any reason is gone of how ridiculous this whole thing is. Like, it's just talking to somebody. It's just another person that's sitting across the table or, or sitting across the room that you just feel this draw, like the Lord wants you to go tell them that he has a plan for their life. 
Why is it that this all of a sudden, boom, all of these loud voices of everybody's going to be looking at you? What are they going to say about you? What if they kick you out of the restaurant? What if all of these things might happen? That right there is what fear is. That right there is exactly what he's trying to shut you down and he's trying to maintain control over your life. Let me share with you a dream that I had. So I had this dream several years before the Reinhardt Bunky moment. I dreamed that I lived, this is a little bit of a crazy weird dream, so I apologize, but I dreamed that I lived in this circular house. I'm sorry, I didn't live there. I was looking for this circular house and I was being chased. I was like out in the woods and I was running through fields trying to find this house. And um, I was being chased by these things that didn't want me to find it. I knew they were kind of like after me, but not wanting me to get to this house. So I finally find it. It's a haunted house. It has all these drop cloths covering the furniture. And um, it was an odd, just a whole odd moment. It was just out in the middle of this field. And so I go in and I had two leaders with me and they sat down on these couches that were covered in the drop cloths and they sat down and they were laughing and cutting up. Well, I was not laughing. I was very serious and somber in the dream and just knew I was there for a specific reason and I was going to do what I was there to do. So in the middle of the house was a living room and then all around the perimeter were bedrooms. So I stood up, all of a sudden, walked into a bedroom and closed the door. And whenever I walked into the room, I knew that in the bed was my boyfriend. And I knew that my boyfriend was dead, and, but he was there. And there was a window across the room. And it was kind of like an odd, creepy thing. It was not a good boyfriend relationship. It was like, this is a creepy situation here. So I knew what I had to do and I, I went and stood in front of the window and as soon as I did, I closed my eyes and these waves of, and winds, like unbelievable wind just started blowing through that window to the point that it was contorting my face and changing the way that I looked. And I knew in the dream that if I would stand there and I would not move, that all of this would stop, it would be over and I would, I would win. So I stood there, the wind was there, it was contorting my face, and then all of a sudden, boom, the wind stopped, the moment was over, and I turned around and looked, and my boyfriend was gone. That was the end of the dream. Now let me tell you what this dream ended up meaning to me. It was a circle. The house was a circle. This was a cycle in my life. And the boyfriend being there in a bedroom meant that I had let this thing uh, be a part of my heart and have an access into my life that he should not have. That boyfriend was fear. And the winds and the waves that I was experiencing, all of those, even in the dream, they kind of carried this emotion of fear. It was like every wave, it was like waves and waves of the deepest fears. And But in the dream, I knew if I would stand there and not move, I would win and this whole thing would be over. So the end of the dream, I, this was the very first time that a glimmer of thought ever even came to me that there might be a day where I would confront fear and that this thing would be over for me. Because let me tell you another thing. Fear really wants you to believe two things. 
fear wants you to believe that for one thing that you're alone, that no one else experiences the kind of fear that you're feeling, that this is an odd case, like this is something unusual. You are a special case. You have a right, a justified relationship with this fear because of this that's happened and this that's happened and even coronavirus that's happened and all of these negative things. You have a right to this place with fear. You can have, you. You're alone, but you're a special case. The other thing that it wants you to believe is that it's invincible, that it can't be beat, that you will never be free from fear. And I just want to tell you right now that both of those things are lies. Why are they lies? Because fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. There is a verse right here in 2 Timothy, one seven, it says this, for God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. Now that tells you more than just what, than just what God is going to give you in the place where it tells you more than just that God, that fear does not come from God. It tells you something that is very important. Fear is a spirit. God will never give you a spirit of fear. That is not a gift from the Lord. Fear is never from God. How many times in the word does he tell us, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, fear not, I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid. Fear is a spirit and it's sent into your life to destroy your identity, to steal your time and to steal your purpose. You see, the thing about it is, that person that you are called to be, what your life would look like with no fear, that's the person that you're called to be. Who is that person? Does she speak? Does he teach? Does she go share the gospel with people in other nations? Does he take risks that are, um, that are calculated risks, but that he knows was out, out of the voice of the Lord? What would you do if fear had absolutely no place in your life. That is who you're called to be. And the only thing keeping you from that person, I want you to even just stop right now. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, and I wanna pray even right now and ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, show my friend who they are called to be without fear. Lord, it's so hard sometimes for us to see through all of the images that in the way that we've always been because of what fear has painted our identity to look like. But Lord, stripping all of that off, who is it that you've called us to be? What do we look like without fear? And I want you to just take a minute and get that person in your mind right now. Now I want you to think, you know, who are you seeing? Did you see a person that you were called to reach? A group of people that you were called to reach? Who did you see right there in front of you? What were you doing? Were you writing? Were you singing on a stage? Were you singing in front of your family? Were you letting yourself be known in a relationship uh, with a friend and being vulnerable and just sharing your heart with someone? What were you doing? Because that person is the person that you're called to be. And do you know what's standing between you and that person? A mouse, a little 
puny, annoying, disgusting, I hate mice. Mouse. That mouse has a microphone and he is speaking into that microphone all kinds of lies about what you can't do. Now, that microphone does not belong to that mouse. And it is time for you to take that microphone back and say, you know what, I may feel the fear. I may hear your voice. I may hear you tell me all the things that might happen if I walk across the room and share the gospel with somebody. I know that all of that might happen and it may try to change your identity just like those winds tried to change me and contort my face the way that I looked. It might try to change who you are. Fear might try to tell you and shape your identity around what it says about you. But let me tell you, if you will, hear the fear, see what, see what it's trying to say, but not let it dictate what you choose to do. You will get victory. Because whenever all of that noise is over and all of the fearful stuff is gone and that voice of fear, that moment has passed, and I know that you've experienced this, I have too, where I knew I was supposed to go do something. I knew I was supposed to go pray. I knew I was supposed to pray out loud in front of the group of people, but fear shut me down. And you know what? The moment passed, it was all over and I couldn't get it back. And so I was just sitting there with this question of, well, what would have happened if I had just obeyed? Well, there is a time whenever fear's voice is gone, the moment is over, and you're left with that question. What would have happened if? So we really, every single time we hear that voice of fear, we really have a choice. And this is what's so important. I want you to understand that fear is a spirit. And that spirit has a voice and it's speaking to you. And in those moments where God puts a situation in front of you and says, hey, do this. I want you to do this. I'm calling you to do this. You have all of a sudden these two voices that speak. You have the voice of God saying, hey, do this. I've called you. I've anointed you. I've pointed you. I've put my words in your mouth. You can do this. And then you have that voice of fear that says, no, you can't. Who do you think you are? You're just out here for your own agenda. Your motives are bad. Look at your heart. Look at what you did last week. You're not qualified. You're not good enough. You have a voice in that. Uh, you have a decision right there to say, what voice is it that I'm going to listen to today? Am I going to choose to obey the voice of fear and let fear become my master? Or am I going to choose to obey the voice of God and let fear know you don't control me anymore. That part of me is over. And so that's what I want to share with you today. And, and let me encourage you with one last thing. God is so good to do this. And I'm just, I'm just so thankful. And let me kind of share the end of my story with you before I wrap up. So, you know, whenever we step out in obedience like that to the voice of God, it's so great because it's not like he just throws us out there on a limb and says, oh my gosh, they're really going to blow it now. No, that's the, the heart of the father. It says, look at him. Obey me. I am coming to meet them. I'm going to do supernaturally what they could never do on their own. The Holy Spirit, whenever he sees a, a obedience like that, it's the opportunity for him to come and partner with us and do something that we could never have done on our own. I don't have the ability to heal anybody on my own strength. 
But if God has asked me to step out and go pray for someone and that person is healed, it's because that obedience met with God's supernatural power that created this opportunity for someone to be healed supernaturally. What can God do through you if fear doesn't have any place in you? So let me share the end of my story. So I came home from that trip to Chicago and I knew that God put this spotlight on my heart. I knew that he was just revealing how much fear had taken from me. And I also knew I was done. I was so angry to think about the years that I had lost, the opportunities that I had missed, the friendships that I missed out on, all because of this stupid little mouse with the microphone. I was done. Whatever it looked like, whatever I had to do, I was doing it. I didn't care how stupid it looked or how crazy I sounded, like I'm on a mission. This thing is over. So I knew that part of that was that I had to sing in front of people. And oh my gosh. Oh, is Lord, are you sure? Are you sure this is what you want me to do? So I went and met with our worship leader at the time and told him what was going on in my heart, explained why this was a part of the process. And he was so gracious and let me learn a song with the band. And in one of our ramp conferences, a women's conference, there was an opportunity and it was, it was kind of like, you know, if, if the opportunity comes up, you'll share your story and sing. I was like, okay, I'll be ready. And so the opportunity came. I shared my story. I sang just like I had done in the third grade, except this time I didn't let that voice of fear stop me. And what happened in the room was supernatural. God did come and meet that obedience. And I actually still hear testimonies from women who were in that room that heard the testimony and the Lord set them free right there in that moment from fear. That is a supernatural miracle from God. And so whenever I walked off the stage, the uh, worship leader, his name was Bryn, he met me in the foxhole and he said, I believe in you. And that, that moment just, it's like, Father God took the whole thing full circle. 20 years earlier, I had walked off the stage and that little boy in third grade had told me I had ruined the play. And that microphone was taken out of my hand. And here I was 20 years later to walk off the stage and have the voice of a Father God say, I believe in you and put that microphone back in my hand and restore so much of what the enemy had tried to steal from me. So today, right where you are, right there in your home, you know, I know this has been such a crazy time that we're living in of all of the fear, all of the questions. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's going on. I don't even know who to believe anymore. You know, is this, is it as scary or is it not? Who knows? It's just been such a crazy time. But wherever you are, I want you to really assess and look over your life. Find what areas fear has really robbed you in. I want you to look for the door of access that he gained. Were you eight years old like I was? Were you four? Were you 10 and felt rejection? Were, were you 25? I mean, it doesn't really matter how old you are. Whenever fear enters your life and you start speaking, it really just comes with that same sound of all of the things that you couldn't do that you can't do or what might happen if or just, you know, the tirade of fear. I want you to really know and pinpoint exactly where fear has stolen from you, 
what he's tried to take because I'm telling you what he's tried to attack you in is really the area that God has so much victory for you in. That's not the end of your story. God has a redemption story for you. And I just want to pray as we close today. I want to pray over you. I want to ask the Lord to really reveal that this enemy is an enemy. It's an enemy to you. It's an enemy to God. And I love what David says in Psalm 139. He says, God, my enemies are your enemies and I hate them with a perfect hatred. Don't let fear be a comfort to you. Don't hide behind a spirit of fear and let it dictate what, what you do and who you are. That fear is not there as your friend. That fear is there to destroy you. But today, things are going to change. Today, you're making a decision of what voice you're choosing to listen to. You're not going to listen to that voice of fear. That mouse does not have power to that microphone anymore. The cord is being unplugged in Jesus' name. So, Father God, oh, all of my beautiful friends there in Manchester, Lord, thank you so much for each one of them that you have sent to us. Lord, I pray that even right now there in their homes, Lord, that your spotlight would hit their own hearts to show and reveal where fear might be hiding. Lord, to show where fear got in the door. I just pray for a flood of light to fill their hearts, Lord, that fear would not be able to hide in a corner, that it would be completely exposed and revealed for what it really is. It is a thief, it is a liar, and it is there to steal their purpose. Lord, thank you that you have already won the victory over fear. We don't have to even fight this battle, God. You have already won such a great victory. and We can stand firmly and confidently in the victory that you have won for us. We worship you. We thank you, Jesus, that this is something that we can just rest into, Lord, that we can hear you in the chaos because that chaos of fear is being silenced around us. Lord, I pray that you would give grace to my friends to feel the fear, to, to hear the fear, but to choose to obey your voice instead. And Lord, I thank you that we can trust you, that when we do that, when we step out in faith and obedience, that you are there, that you meet us with your presence, that you supernaturally do the things that we could never do on our own. Lord, thank you for your presence surrounding my friends right there. In Jesus' name, amen.